the story again. Ah, we are live. All right. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Welcome to Jiromo Hospital Group's Thursday Facebook Live. Today we are discussing epilepsy, and I am joined by a stellar panel of two. Two of, I think, two of uh, the rest of the members of the panel will join us as the panel goes on. Uh, but for now, I would like our panelists to introduce themselves. I will start with you, Sylvia. Hi, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. And thank you to Romo for having this very important conversation ahead of the World uh, International Epilepsy Day. So Sylvia Moramo Chabo is my name. I'm the founder of Andy Speaks for Special Needs Persons. I'm an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, and a mother. And uh, why I sit here is because this is a story of my life. Uh, out of my three boys, two of them are on the autism spectrum, and both of them have a convulsive disorder as a comorbid condition to autism. Mm -hmm. And I am an ad advocate for inclusion of persons with neurodevelopmental disabilities. So thank you for having me. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Sylvia. Uh, over to you, Stephanie. Um, good afternoon. My name is Stephanie Jepchumba. I'm an intern at CBT Kenya. Um, so yeah, I'm also a student. So I'm really eager to learn so much from each of you, especially from Sylvia. And I'm so sure that each of you, you know, have so much to say and I can't wait. Okay. Um, thank you very much, Stephanie. I see Carol has joined us. Um, hello, Carol. Can you, would you mind introducing yourself? You're muted. Oh, there you go. Okay. Oh, she dropped off again. All right. As we wait for Carol to join in, I will introduce myself. My name is Muru Indongo. I am part of the digital relations team at Chiroma Hospital Group. Today I'm working from home, but I am excited for the conversation today. Um, as we wait for Carol to join, I will first begin by uh, welcoming the audience and inviting them to comment. And at the bottom, we will be sure to reply to all the comments. If you have a question, be, you can ask it there as well. We will remember to respond or we can direct them to our panelist to respond. All right. Um, yeah. Sylvie has not joined it yet, but we can begin. So I just learned that today on, no, not today, on February 14th is also International Epilepsy Day. I did not know that. I knew it was only Valentine's Day. It's very <laughs> good to know that new information. So as we celebrate our loved ones, we also remember to commemorate the day and include people, yeah? So the theme this year is friendship and inclusion. And uh, so I will begin with a small brief introduction, just definition of what epilepsy is, and then I will turn over the mic to our panelists. So epilepsy for our audience is a neurological disorder affecting the brain, causing seizures, sometimes loss of awareness. And this can affect anyone, right? It's a neurological disorder that affects the brain, causing seizures and sometimes loss of awareness, and it can affect absolutely anyone. So let us begin, uh, Sylvia. Yes. What are some of the myths about epilepsy uh, around? Um, one of the greatest ones is that when someone is having a convulsion, you put a spoon in their mouth, which is totally, totally out of, not right, not, not safe. It's like everything wrong about it. Because one of the safety measures is do not put anything in their mouth. That is one. And the first aid to uh, epilepsy, and when someone is in the middle of a convulsion, well, most people want to do something. 
practically there is nothing you can do. Uh, so what you should do, we shorten it to our cold brain. So basically just be calm because most people panic because they don't understand what's going on. And then you remove dangerous objects around them because it can happen anytime. I, I know I've experienced that in the swimming pool, I've experienced next to, I've experienced it like in the house, in bed, you know, so it can be anywhere. And then there is, if a person has fallen, that is the eye, just put them on the side, put something soft underneath their head because remember there is a lot of jacking. So you just need to secure their head and make sure that they can breathe well so you put them on their side and turn the entire body not that not just the head because now you see you're going to cause more strain because remember the point when they're having a conversion there is a lot of choking or there could be a different different people have different things i know for my son he has saliva that comes out there are people who have like when uh depending on how constrained their airway is you know even when you do bubbles when you were kids you'd see that it will come out as foam so it just depends on the different ways that your body reacts to it and then the last thing for the end is never put anything in their mouth and on them. even if you hold them down the convulsions will still going go on it's like saying someone has been electrocuted and what's the one thing we're told don't touch them with your bare hands remember yeah but for, for them just give them um clear space safety nothing in their mouth to make sure they can breathe easy and they're comfortable time it that's the one other thing you have to time a conversion because um more than five five minutes is going to the danger zone and then after a conversion now the other thing is what happens to the body remember the brain has lost control of uh the entire system so if you know that it is extreme you will see the signs that the person with either pee or poop remember that means they've lost control of their body like total control of their body so you need to make sure when that happens they need to be taken to the hospital because most people will be like oh does he have medicine can he take it remember he's not he, it will take time for someone to come back so you cannot actually putting things in their mouth nothing when if they have medication it has to be when they regain consciousness so patients they later lose mobility become disoriented because uh, it takes time before now they can settle and regain their consciousness and come back yeah. and for for those who are around just count remember safety nothing in the mouth count and it is not contagious so those who see such and want to, uh, to avoid the person please it's not contagious it's neurological it's in you and um what other myth is there so mostly it's just the, the handling and it being contagious and and stuff like that and there is nothing wrong that a person does for you to start blaming them for what they're going through it's not their fault it can happen to anyone and there are different causes so you never know so just be kind you never know yes Thank you. I hope I've wow. <laughs> Yes, you have. Yes, you have actually. You've enlightened us quite a lot. Um, Stephanie? Wow, I actually didn't. I, I actually thought that you're supposed to put something in someone's mouth because mm -hmm. um, it's something I had seen previously so many times where they'd say so, to avoid them from apparently biting their tongue or something like that. And it's really nice to hear that that's not something that we should do. I'm happy to learn also about the safety measures that you should take, which is just turning them to their side. I think I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, there are a lot of things I didn't know about the how to pre, how to give first aid in such a situation. And so, yeah, I think I can, yeah, I'm really happy to learn that. All right, I've also learned quite a lot. Uh, I will repeat 
what uh, Sylvia said about the brain, what you should do when it happens. So in brain, the first thing you should do is be calm. Yeah, Sylvia. And yeah. then remove any dangerous objects. Mm -hmm. The A is always time the seizures. If it's more than five minutes, you know you're going into the danger zone. If they start uh, defecating or peeing, then you know it's they've lost control. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the I is to turn them on their side. And the N is to never put anything in their mouth. Yeah. Perfect. You're very fast learner. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I think the, the audience will benefit quite a lot from that. If anything, you would, if there's anything you will take away from this conversation, just remember brain, right? Uh -huh. So in your capacity, what uh, are you doing to stop the stigma around uh, epilepsy? There's a lot of stigma, I think, from as, as far as I can remember, it's been called as something as akin to possession from a demon. People think someone has been possessed or mm. something like that. So what have you done in your capacity to stop the stigma? Um, the first thing is raising awareness mm. because that's the greatest thing because people fear things they don't know. People fear that's things true. that seem strange to them. People fear things depending on your cultural background, what you've heard about it, or what you've been told about it. And it's basically a hand-me-down kind of a situation. So you see like the ways uh, earlier on someone said, oh, they thought that was the right thing, putting the spoon. Because if you remember in your first aid class back in the days, before we got enlightened, that was what we were taught. So that means we need to change the narrative. And um, mm -hmm. I am hoping that in the capacity that I sit in KICD academic committee, that that is one of the tasks I've put upon myself to see to it that we can correct that in good time <laughs> before any more. Because for me, even for me, the first time my son did that, but he was very tiny, he was three months, uh, you know. Um, and, and that was the first thing, like, how can I put a, something in his mouth? And oh, he, his mouth is not even open. His tongue is moving all over, you know, at the point. And um, apart from that, if you go to my wall, you will see, I've been talking about it, but today um, I just posted a video of my son who was going through a convulsion last night because people don't understand what it is. And because uh, like yesterday, it just happened. Like he was one minute, he was okay. We were talking, he was mm -hmm. dancing. He's, and then the next thing we're hearing, I'm seeing my the younger brother coming and the cold word is like, Andrew has fallen. So for the, for the first time, I'm, I always know something is wrong, but he's been okay. So I'm like, what do you mean he's fallen? Like, <laughs> he's been fine, there's no trigger. So those are the other things that you just look out for. And we hope that people will understand that the causes, uh, it's not curses, not because they did something. It just happens. Yeah. It's just the same way if, let's say, you get twins because it's you, you, your genes like the oversplit into two. So when you're growing up and you have a neurological issue, and remember the different causes of autism, we are talking about autism. It's because it's that's a comorbid, and that's how it is on my side. <laughs> it is a comorbid, but. Um, um what do you call this even people after like if you have a severe head injury if you have you know i, I hope i'm not going into a topic that we are supposed to talk about uh maybe later about the causes but as understanding just take it in your stride just learn about something and and i talk to those people who are around you know that if there is something that they feel when it's about to this is part of the awareness creation that we need because they get something called an aura right so if you know your neighbor or your friend um who gets convulsions ask them do you feel it coming and stuff like that that means it will put you in a better position to help them 
mm-hmm. so not running we are all are so afraid oh my god something is happening or oh, call a priest because we're thinking he's demon possessed yeah. <laughs> there's no demon possession in this case it's just uh, something going on just be patient like you say brain and help them through it it really means a lot because most of the time you can imagine if it was very seen even if it was extreme and the person loses control wakes up to be alone yet they were with people and then the mm. stigma people continuing to talk about it even after that and branding them names it's not cool man it's not like it's within their power or it's something they want to do yeah. upon themselves yes so there i've done it i've raised the awareness <laughs> yes um You've mentioned something. You said it's a hand-me-down. No, Does it mean it is hereditary? It can be genetic. Can uh-huh. be. But yeah. remember, it's a neurological. Neurology is just basically uh, the network of our nerves in the system. So even that's why you see um, uh, when there is a power surge, like too mm. much electricity, what happens? The fuse blows, right? Yes. So you can imagine your body. There is too much that goes to the brain. There is electric currents, yeah, that happens to our body because to your brain and there is an overflow of that because the body will send it down. Same thing with the electric shock when that is done. The first thing is it spreads it out from the point of contact it goes to the rest of your body. So that's what happens, yeah, when someone is going through a conversion. So I'm just trying to break it down as much as possible. Yes. So maybe yes, I can catch up on the causes of epilepsy, then just to enlighten them so that they can, I think, Stephanie can take that up. What are the causes of autism? Oh, uh, epilepsy, sorry. Autism is like the middle of my life. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Stephanie, what are the causes of uh, epilepsy? Uh I know that um, it can be genetic and mm-hmm. uh, sometimes um, I'm not quite sure, but I don't know if it's something that can develop aside from, or I don't know if it can be comorbid to another disorder, but I do know in most situa- in some situations it's genetic. Yeah. The encounters that I've had it's been because maybe a grandpa or a mother or a cousin had it and it's been in their family yeah okay um i see carol is uh, joining us as we wait sylvia would you like to speak more about the causes ah unmute yourself Yes, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, so one of the causes, yes, is, is, is um, hereditary. And then two, any head trauma, if you had an accident, like a road accident, one of the side effects could be that. You find people who have cancer, when they get to a certain stage, that is another. There are different types of uh, convulsions. Remember, epilepsy is... Uh, see, you, can, you have convulsions, then uncontrolled or involuntary convulsions is what is termed as epilepsy. When you look at the ones that come because of fever, where most of the times when babies start convulsing, when they have a high fever, that's called febrile convulsions. A convulsive disorder is the one that can be new and then you're anticipated under medication and it hopes to stop by the time you're like a certain age, you know, uh, like that. So that is one one of the other things. The other one is... um, what do you call this? I talked of head trauma. Head trauma can be from anywhere or anything. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, so those are the main, main, main causes. And then a comorbid is the other thing, Down syndrome, uh, cerebral palsy, autism, all those, can it can be a comorbid to that. Thank you. Oh, all right. Uh, I see Carol has joined us. Hi, Carol. Hi, everybody. Uh, thank you for welcoming welcoming me to this talk. I am just in a rural area currently and the connection is terrible, but I'm glad I'm finally in. <laughs> All right, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Do you mind introducing yourself? Okay, hi everyone. My name is Carol Pawai. I am from South Africa originally and I'm a recently graduated uh, occupational therapist and I'm working in a psychiatric uh, hospital. It's a specialized psychiatric hospital. Um, and also work with um, other organizations uh, such as OTASA um, in order to basically bring awareness to mental illness um, in the Southern African region. And yeah. Wow, wow, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'll wait a bit late. So to just jumpstart you into the conversation, would you, uh, enlighten us a bit on the signs and symptoms of epilepsy, what we could expect. Uh, okay, so when it comes to the signs and symptoms of epilepsy, it usually presents differently um, to different people, but you can expect uh, things such as like temporary confusion, um, memory gaps. Um, if it's a serious, you can get um, loss of consciousness, um, and a staring spell. In children, usually you will see like... Um, oh no. Oh well. <laughs> I guess it's what we've been drawn into mm -hmm. this whole online thing. Someone gets a convulsion or signs and symptoms for someone to go get diagnosed that they have epilepsy. Uh, we could talk about both. We could talk about both just to raise awareness because the aim of this is to raise awareness. Yeah. Okay. Because okay. So, um, oh, the, the first thing is um, you only know you have epilepsy when you have continuous involuntary convulsions, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, unprovoked. Remember, there is uh, when epilepsy is when unprovoked. Convulsive disorder is when it is provoked, like I'd mentioned earlier about the fever, or like the, it even gets to a level of alcoholism when it's too much that you can actually get a convulsion. But then you see that's that's a different category. And um, so I'll, I'll put them together as um, the causes and also what do you call it? The signs and symptoms. So yeah. that's what we call the aura. It's not signs and symptoms. It's basically for because for our children, the ones who have a comorbid, it can anything can trigger. The high fever can be a trigger. A simple thing as flu can be a trigger. Anything like I know we lost a child uh, who had pneumonia, which triggered convulsion, and the child died because it becomes uh, of. Um, incontrollable and they're always put on medication to really like uh manage it uh so it depends and then it takes time before they can balance to get the proper levels for the body and it has to be done um like as the child grows the more weight they have there is a ratio of how much medication needs to be in your body for it to be controlled so yeah. for those who are not who are verbal and understand and are mature enough to understand that when this happens um this is when you're about to get a conversion you will find a pattern they'll either lose sense of smell 
they'll get blurry or mm-hmm. they will get a certain scent like a, they, you can never tell let's say uh, every time before a seizure i smell vanilla so it's like a deja vu feeling mm-hmm. and then now that so uh, it's not that easy to to point point it especially with uh, my community or that i champion for that's the neurodiverse because you find some of the kids are more and verbal so i may have intellectual challenges so they will not be able to like track that pattern so the best thing is to give a code word when you feel like it's coming this is what you can call out or bring this to me or something that is just so that it prompts the community around the person to ensure they're safe remember our brain yes so if you can do something before it happens because there is that dizzy spell and the other things she had mentioned so those are the things that actually feel before you get a conversion so that confusion that so it is it varies from person to person it's not like it's something standard okay steph if you can add on mm-hmm. i've forgotten something Steph, you're, you're not muted but i can't hear you I still can. All right. I can't hear you, but <laughs> as she fixes that, are you able to mute, unmute her? No. Uh-huh. We still can't hear you. Okay, and then just something I've forgotten. I had forgotten. There are different types of seizures. Then okay. not all of them cause the full body um, shaking, etc. You will mm-hmm. notice in some, you they just gaze like they'll be fixed. Not just what we used to call kuzubar, yeah? yeah, or that's what it's called. So like when someone is fixated and just staring at something, and then there'll be those ones who'll have just like a part of their face that will be twitching or a part of their hand, or you see like a twitch, like twitches and stuff like that. So those are some of the uh, silent conversion. There are actually 40 types of seizures. So um, you just need to identify and it's advisable uh, when it is so much and you see it, you have an EEG that's uh, to measure the level of electro, the level of activity that is going on in your brain when you are very calm. So mm-hmm. it's a procedure that is advised for anyone who has a convulsive disorder to just see the level of uh, electric current that is going through your brain to gauge how severe, how easy, and 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 uh, advice in the proper way of intervention. Yeah. Wow. I did not know there were 40 types of seizures. Yes, 40 there individual are. Types. I imagine it would be very hard to just Wow, for a doctor even to learn which one is which and which what to do because oh, i imagine all of the 40 have different interventions for everyone are, are there no, interventions standard then it's mostly the different levels of uh, medication that's given some are more intense than others so they will ease you in with the basic which most of the time it will be epilim then now they, it, it doesn't work different dosages then they will put you also on now a second one or even a third one just to increase the strength to a level where you're able to um <clears throat> to control control in terms of how often and frequent you get the convulsions and mm-hmm. also remember there are people who could be having a conversion and they're just 
still conscious because most of the people expect it to be like, oh, when you fall, your eyes roll over, you can't hear, you can't respond, but you can also, there are some convulsion types that you will still be fully conscious as it's going on. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. You have. Can you guys hear me now? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Uh, okay. Okay. So, would you like to add on the signs and symptoms of epilepsy? Um, I've just come in. Uh, she was mentioning about the the seizures that don't necessarily require you to become unconscious. Yes. And uh, yeah, I think I'd wanted to say before I got cut off was the the way she had mentioned the deja vu feeling that you feel the maybe mm -hmm. the way you smell the vanilla or the whatever. So uh, the fear and anxiety that come with that feeling. I think when uh, if you've experienced the seizures a couple of times and you start to feel that feeling and you start becoming aware that, okay, this is happening and then you start to panic. And I think the fear and the anxiety, um, yeah, we had not mentioned the fear and the anxiety that comes when you know that you're, yeah, you're probably going to have a seizure. So yeah, I think that was just the only thing that she had not mentioned because when I was yeah. leaving, I could hear her talking about the staring spell and the temporary confusion the stiff muscles yeah wow okay okay thank you for breaking it down for us like that so just to reiterate for our audience we have there's confusion there's a staring spell or just kuzuba and they're very different manifestations of all the seizures some people will roll their eyes some people will just stare yeah so it's it's nice to be to know and then we have the loss of smell and uh, blurry vision. And what Sylvia said about having a code word, especially for just to, because they can tell that it's coming. So when they have a code word, the people around them will be able to get into action, know what to do. Yeah. So that's very important to note. Um, Sylvia had already started talking about the, some of the ways we can treat epilepsy. Uh, she talked about epilim, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, would you mind uh, now going deeper into the treatment for epilepsy and what it entails? Um, um, the one that I know, remember me, I'm speaking, I'm not a doctor. I'm just okay. speaking okay. from experience and research. So, um, and so one of the, there are different types of medication that uh, you're given. They're called anticonvulsants. Yeah, depending on your weight, depending on the type of seizure that you have. Because remember, you have to keep a record of how many times uh, the seizures have uh, occurred. Was there any changes? Was there anything that triggered? Was there head impact? Remember, even when you have a convulsive disorder, if you get head trauma, that's why, like for us, uh, we say, may I say, if you touch my child's head, I will kill you myself. Because that can be a trigger and, and it can bring so much more you know so like a simple thing as them falling can can get us into that point of like oh my god oh my god you know is he going to be okay like that's why i've not left the house today because of what happened last night because you have to be on a lot because the side effects are different it took us one hour to start walking again so and sometimes you can have a seizure it breaks it comes back so a record of when and how it was because the doctors will ask you was it full, full body was it stiff was it shaky was it partial was it what happened the eyes the drooling so all those are questions to expect so the people who are around need to note that mm. yeah so medication if you miss your medication that can be a trigger 
if you're yeah. already on medication and let's say for some reason you can't afford or for some reason they run out like because i know there was someone who dm'd me reached out they were in, in hospital and there was no anticonvulsants so um I, I I just took it to because we had a program for supporting caregivers with anticonvulsants. I rang up the, our supplier and told them please deliver to the ward to a child this 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 and you know you save a life. We understand each other's struggle because without medication you're not helping in any way. And mm -hmm. one of the things that uh, okay I'll just interconnect like it's at such a disappointing thing that a national level five hospital will be lacking essential medication like anticonvulsants. That is. I think uh, unacceptable that a parent who's already admitted has to start looking for medication for this control. So generally, yeah, keep off alcohol is the other thing. Yeah, your advice if you get conversion, you better keep off alcohol because you lose your level of uh, judgment and we all know it disorients you. If you fall, it will be another story. So yeah, there are those basic um, just safety for you as a person and then um, just let people be aware so that when it happens to you, then all the wrong things are not done to you. People don't, because there's a point someone thinks like, oh, this person must be drunk just because you fell, you know. So um, awareness, and I think take your meds, be consistent. And uh, meds is the only way I know of controlling. There are people who talk about supplements, you know, um, yeah, to find out, I'd love to hear a testimony where conversions ended because of uh, they were taking supplements. But I know that supports in, in, in other areas because, of course, if you're on medication for so long, some things get affected in your body, like your calcium level, your liver functions, etc. So even the meds we take, we also have to watch out and have body checks to make sure that the levels of or everything else in your body is okay. Yeah. So the PhD of 11 years of raising a, a, a special needs um, child is falling off. Yes. <laughs> On a lighter note. <laughs> yes. Stephanie? Is it? Uh, we can't hear you. Yes, again, it's very frustrating. I understand. I know. Um, before Stephanie comes back, I think the closest encounter I've had with anticonvulsants is um, my mother had a stroke and we had, she got a seizure, so we had to get anticonvulsants. And when she was getting them at hospital, they were giving them to her because they had it in supply. And then when we, ha we had to go home, we had to go buy them at a chemist. So I went, uh, we, were sub we were told to get Kepra. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yeah, so we were told to buy it, and I went to the. I just walked into the chemist and I'm like, "Do you have Kepra?" And then the guy looked at me very suspiciously because I couldn't understand at first. Until later, he told me, first, it's a very potent and powerful drug, and you always need a prescription for it. They just can't give it over the counter like that. It's a very potent drug, and uh, yeah, I think it just opened my mind into how serious these things are. And uh, when she misses a day, it's always a bit tricky. Sometimes the symptoms will start coming back. It's very scary to not say you would travel somewhere and then you forget your meds. That's a whole other story. So it's quite a delicate problem. Yeah, yeah, that that is like uh, access. You have to have a prescription because some of the medications are very controlled because of the side effects. And there are those that guys misuse 
as a highness kind of a thing because mm-hmm. you find that those who are hyper and those are deconvulsants and the medication they're given, the side effect is calming them down. So that's mm-hmm. why they're very controlled medications. And uh, yeah, Kepra is not something you just find off the shelf, just easy like that. So it's always good to have your person who knows and understands your prescription and that even mm-hmm. if you don't have it, they know how important it is. Yeah, close in your area to get it. Okay. Okay. Um, also, I think it's very noble that you have uh, an organization that funds or that provides medicine. That's a pretty noble cause because not everyone can afford these drugs. I imagine with how potent and powerful they are, they're pretty expensive. So that's quite noble. Yeah, yeah. I hope we could be able to continue. It was a project during COVID where actually it was the people, that is the people that I know, my friends and family, that I just put a campaign, I held a dinner and people donated. So we were able to go to the slums and give medication. We get the, the prescription. We had a partner, uh, a partner that was helping with logistics, like reading the prescription and then delivering it, you know, to them. So it's something that I hope that we, we want to do it again but um, another fundraiser because all the people we reached out to support think that it's a very complicated thing and i'm like it's not complicated it's black and white you know this is my prescription keep track of it every time before you load and have a standby neurologist who can give a consultation in case it doesn't work or in case we find challenges that was how simple we were able to do it so yeah we we have on the andy speaks page the donation number the pay bill number so anyone who would like to support someone's education like a month you just put the accounts meds and uh, put in your donation and we'll be able to channel because we still get requests but we ran out of funds so it's heartbreaking when yeah like today like today there's a mother who one of the kids uh, passed on after the project and today she messaged i just put on a quote on 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 and said um you do good and walk away and don't remember and let the something in that line and she was like the one thing i'll never forget is that you came through with medication for my son at that point. You know, the small things that we do that go a long way because these are the things that keep them alive, quote, unquote, because if you don't control it, then what people don't know is like when someone is going through a seizure, it's like frying, like frying brain cells. So your brain cells die. Remember, we say this the high voltage. It's too much of yes. that that's going on. So yeah, so that's why we say it should not pass a certain level. You know, number of timing. Like you, you have to time it. If it goes for so long, then they need the the uh, hospital support because mm-hmm. apart from now the lack of oxygen going to their brain, their brain cells are practically dying. Yeah. So that's why we really need to just make sure they're on their meds to keep it in check. Wow, that was very enlightening. That was very insightful, actually. And uh, yeah, uh, Stephanie, thank you for joining us again. Apologies for the small hiccups. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you wanted to yeah. say something before we drop off. Oh, I was actually talking about it from a psychological point of view. I was going to say that um, uh, people that uh, suffer from epilepsy are more vulnerable to certain. Uh, psychological challenges such as depression and anxiety. And so having them have access to mental health and um, particularly so that they can accept that, um, you know, 
this is something that they live long term and uh, deal with some of the issues that may come up from it. So using uh, approaches such as, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, helping them change their thought patterns, helping them change their behaviors to accommodate um, their, the, the, epilep the epilepsy, you know, helping them get comfortable with who they are because they're still capable of so many good things, so many great things. They can still live life and do all this, all these amazing things. And so also helping them to deal with the social stigma that comes with, you know, having epilepsy, you know, that fear that I may go here and this may happen and people may not be able to assist me or people may judge me. And uh, yeah, so I think what I would say, and also giving them psychoeducation, you know, helping them learn how to live with the condition, teaching them, um, as Sylvia had mentioned, having things like a safe word Will help will help them long term in order to lead a normal life and to be as happy as they possibly can be. Thank you, Stephanie. Yeah. That was very enlightening on your end. Yeah. Um, okay, so as we move on in the to save on time, we started a bit late, but I think we can still finish this and make it a meaningful conversation. So I would now invite you to just tell me uh, what are some of the social and economic impacts of epilepsy on persons leaving them or their caregivers? As we mentioned a bit, I think we talked about the price of the medicine and how sometimes it's very it's hard to find. Yeah. So what are other social and economic impacts? has on the caregivers and the people with epilepsy. Stephanie, go first. Okay. Can you hear me? Gosh, you know, I'm so sorry. I just thinking, gosh, maybe. You can hear me. So maybe I would say um, on the economic and lower, uh, lower employment rates for people that suffer from epilepsy, you know, um, due to the social stigma, not many people are very willing to employ you or to work with you because they feel as though you're a burden, quote-unquote, or that you won't be able to perform daily activities. And it's also to the fact that most people are not properly informed and are not properly educated on the epilepsy. You know, as we have not, I've seen in the past, it's been seen as a possession thing you know or even when people when they know about it it's like not too much and no one is willing to this so that would say, you know low um low employment rates which also now lead to um not being able to afford you know uh, medication for outpatient for in case of hospitalization and um these are these are facilities that uh people that suffer from epilepsy need you know just the same way Sylvia had mentioned, you know, in case of seizure, um, th this person is supposed to be able to receive healthcare as soon as possible. And so, yeah, that's what I would say. I think I would say, and uh, low uh, employment rates and uh, social stigma, you know, many people are not able to even say it openly that, oh, I suffer from epilepsy because they know it immediately opportunities for them you know talking about it to your employer talking about it to your friends 
not many people are very willing to update them into their space. So I think those are some of the socioeconomic challenges that I I feel are, are very prominent for people, to, especially even with the caregivers. Not many people can afford a caregiver and caregivers could also be family members. So it takes a toll on the, for those that are not able to actually have someone um, come in and assist uh, their kids or their family member that may be going through, that may have epilepsy. Um, like now as the family member, it can take a toll on you because now there's no help. You don't have, you can't sort, uh, you can't sort for help. And I think that's what I would say. What about Sylvia, as especially as a caregiver? Um, sorry. Uh, what I would like to hear about your contribution because you're a caregiver okay. of people. That all right. So first of all, people say disability is for the poor. Just to demystify that, disability is expensive. And this is one of the reasons why it is expensive. And because you could have resources, but the minute it hits your family, there's so much expenses that you have to, especially if it hits a home where it is a comorbid. Remember, this is a family that needs therapy. This is a family mm -hmm. that you need different types of therapy they need on top of the regular life, education, health, ETC, doctor's visits, neurologist visit, a single neurologist visit, the cheapest you will find is 1,500. So imagine that person who's making 100 bob a day, how, how long will they save? So they opt not to see the doctor, which has its own consequences, right? So, and uh, the regular ones, you'll find 4,000, 5,000 for every visit, which you have to do every three months just to be safe because you have to change and uh, have your meds checked. So disability is expensive and epilepsy is considered as a disability for those who did not know. And it warrants you to be able to get a national, uh, after assessment you go with the report and you can be registered by the National Council for Persons with Disability. So you just have to embrace it. Yeah, the other economic, the other economic uh, effect because like in a day, my per month, expense on medication is 20,000, which is rising every time he grows, every time it is changed. That's what I expect at the end of the month on top of your other expenses. That's for one, the other one is five. So you need to have a budget of approximately 25,000 as a parent, depending on which medication you're on. I'm just speaking now as a caregiver, my real life experience. We were from 5,000, we are now turning 12, we are 12. So I'm like, by the time we're 18, Will I be robbing a bank to just make sure, <laughs> you know, because there are other also assistive devices that you need. So that's the economic side. Like you said, employability. People fear that it, it can get you in the middle of work. People don't want to adjust the environment to accommodate, right? So getting a job or when it happens a job, then now that, remember also that stigma that comes from that causes them to, other than their anxiety, because remember when you're like, oh, I'm here, people find out. So you're not at your utmost performance as a person. You're not living your full life, right? You're always afraid, oh, this will happen. What will happen? The few friends I have, will they leave me? Will they accept me? So that mental torture and all that anxiety brings up something else. Loss of self-esteem, self one. Especially like when someone loses uh, the brain control in the middle of, of uh, convulsion, then after they wake up, there are people who, especially this, I feel most for our children on the younger people because kids don't know better. They'll be like, ha, 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 the person who peed on their pants. You understand? And you get branded. Self-esteem is gone. 
and they can even end up in depression because you can imagine living in a society that is not embracing who you are yet it's not your fault it's not something that you brought upon yourself so that um and we have to be aware of all the things that we say, think, and do towards people who are uh, going through this because you're affecting them in every angle of life, every angle. And the fear of what if next time I will not get out of it. Remember, there is that fear. Like I'm constantly afraid this seizure might be the one that takes me. You know, especially when the times when you say like, I won't lie for me, like I've, I've had times We've been hospitalized because I couldn't afford it. Like I could not afford medication. It's expensive. One tablet, 50 bob. One tablet, 120 bob. That's our reality. There is a time we all go through our downs and you're like, I can't steal. You, you, you get to a point, if you start borrowing, people will wonder like, why? People don't understand. And people may want to say that they will be there, but the fact and the true reality is you don't really want or you don't really genuinely care. You just say it for the superficial looking of, oh my God, you know, we don't need that. Just embrace, this is the reality. So, and I know the worst thing also, the other thing and the, in the part of stigma, sorry, I'm marrying the two because for me as a caregiver, one of the things that really depressed me at some point is a whole doctor not being able to understand the situation I was going through. I'm a single parent with two kids on the spectrum two kids with a comorbid and I'm in business business is not always the best so there is a time yes food will be had there is a time yes medication will not be there my medical cover covers me for three months because it's only 100k you have a flu that's different you get a convulsion that is medication every month you're paying for medication if I pay you give me a limit of a hundred thousand like I said 25,000 you're giving me what four months the rest of the six months where do we go? We have not even started talking about right now, which is now COVID times. That's a whole different story altogether. Lack of access, hospitals not having, and, and ETC. So in a nutshell, let's just be accommodative. Let's understand. Let's try to be there the little we can for those who are on or who are going through this and love them. That's it. Love and accept. You know, don't 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 brand them. It's, and remember, even for you, the next day you could fall from a building, you could fall, you could have a car accident, and you'd be the one in that situation overnight. Yeah. And for the parents who lose their kids to the convulsion, just understand and love them because it's a loss that you don't see coming. And it becomes very heavy for them to live with for the rest of their lives. And even some are afraid to even get a child, another one, because what if the same thing happens to them? So just understanding will encompass everything and those people who are in power just think of others it's not all about you just make sure as you're setting the laws as you're thinking of everything just be inclusive and have equity and as much as you're thinking that everyone else gets support we don't all need the same kind of support meet me at my point of need and that's the only way you'll be helpful to you thank you Oh, that was quite powerful. That was quite heavy and powerful. Um, I think what you said to meet them at their points of need is a very powerful quote on its own. Uh, now, as a caregiver, I'm curious to how you cope because you obviously have a lot on your shoulders mm -hmm. um, with all the social impact and the economic impacts. How do you cope? Mm 
and stay safe. <laughs> Sanity is uh, some, I allow myself to go through it. Like today, I canceled all my meetings. I allowed myself to go through the emotion because um, mm. dealing with him being a teenager, of course, there's the hormonal changes. Like I suspect it is this hormonal thing that is a trigger right now because everything else, because you sit and ask yourself, have I missed something? Did I, is there something that happened that I didn't, you know, like why did he have the convulsion? And there is the anxiety that comes with, I have, I have a baby monitor that has to be here the whole night. You can't sleep because you're like, what if it comes back? You know, and for me, being in the space with other caregivers and hearing all those stories, like there's a parent who the mom just went for a nap in the afternoon, left the baby watching TV to find a child dead. And they had had a convulsion and died. And you can imagine the level of um, pain that parent has to live with and self-blame, you know. So those are things that give me fear. Like right now, I, I, can't, I can't stand when things start, you know, that when someone thumps down. Because it, 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 it reminds me of one day he fell down a stair and I found him convulsing and bleeding because he fell down the stairs. So there is a lot of fear around us. So when you see a parent who's a caregiver, not comfortable in a situation, like I said, just understand. I'd rather you ask me, why is it like, why is it? And there are days we just need someone to be there. Like today, when sometimes we think we have friends, trust you, me, but then you can look at your log, call log and wonder, who do I call? Because it's like, am I, am I sane enough to go to the road today <laughs> with all the emotions and all this fear? So I'm like, who do you call to come and do like your school runs? I had a child right now. So if you notice, there's a time I was off because I had to start like, it's time. I can't move. I have to call an Uber and stuff like that to go pick my son. There's so much. There are days we just want someone to sit with. Like, just sit with me. Let's have wine. We don't have to talk. Tell me anything stupid. Let me laugh. Because mm -hmm. those low moments, are there and they are more than all these happy moments find out what it is you like i like traveling you know i change scenery then i get energy to come back to deal with so like then have have you when your family understands they're able to take up the burden and also like i would like to appreciate like the caregivers the the nannies that we get who are actually understanding because that's one of the greatest and hardest things like she mentioned it doesn't come cheap because they're looking like this is extra work i have to do yeah but you need someone who has that level of love and strength that when it happens because i've had a nanny who came the episode happened the next sunday they did not come back talk to me i'm human it's my child so if you're feeling that way this is my child so put yourself in my shoes before you add more frustrations on top of the currently existing ones. So it will be just easier to just love and breathe. Ask questions. Why did it happen? How does it happen? What can I do if you find that? Sometimes it's just that if we say it's going to be okay, it's not going to be okay. We just hope for the best. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's okay just to hear it, you know, and just have someone get you out of that space once in a while so that you can live a sane life. But ask caregivers what we fear sometimes. This is the old me, what I used to fear. Now I live my life to the full because I'll take care of them as part of taking care of me. Because if I don't take care of me for them, I won't be good enough to be there for that. Because we are, we are humans. We have limits. We have emotions. We snap. We get annoyed. All that happens and you will go through it. We have PMSs as women. So during that time, you'll be, you know, flipping at anything. So if it mm -hmm. happens during that time, you know, you take it differently. So 
having a safe environment where you can talk to people and they can be real with you, reality is the other thing, because sometimes you can be clouded and you notice when someone is sinking. That's what true friendship is. Because sometimes you can be sinking, but you have no one to talk to, no one to tell, because we feel like no one will understand. And if you notice, special needs parents are very lonely, not because they want, because every time out that door is who's going to say what? Who's going to judge me how because my child behaved X, Y, Z? What if he falls in the middle of the road? Like for me, every time I think of that person who fell in the middle of that event, I'm like, what if that was my son? In the next 10 years, I'm not there. He's become independent. He goes out and he falls. Will the world be safe enough for him to wake up confident and continue with his life without feeling like now he's judged, feeling like he's going to be stigmatized because he had a, an episode in front of so many people. So there are so many questions we have. There's so many things we go through. But I always encourage parents just self-care. Self-care is important. So like when someone says they don't feel like talking, just let it be, you know? When someone just needs to go out, like, yeah, be there. You don't even have to be the one spending. Maybe they can do it for themselves, but they just need someone to get them out of that space into a different space so that they can regain sanity and strength to come back and continue caring for this other dependent and in a sane way without losing it. Yeah. In long and short. <laughs> well, yes, that, that, that is basically what we go through and need once in a while. Thank you for being so honest with us. Um, that's, as I said, heavy. I wish I could give you a virtual hug, even <laughs> all the restrictions and everything. Um, I also hope that this forum is cathartic for you to, to let you just open up and talk about your experience. Also, just a way of giving virtual support to other mothers uh, and other caregivers who are going through the same. I am hoping there's a support group for caregivers. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're there, but you see, not everyone is vocal about what they go through, you know. So support groups are there, but okay, for me, the ones I'm in is not strictly for epilepsy, but it's for special needs parents because that's one of the things that for the neurodiverse, the one thing that like puts us all together, like 70% of us is uh, convulsions. Um, yes. out well, that's a that's a that's a good thing to know for even for our audience. If there's someone who's watching and they're in the same position, it's good to know that there are uh, such forums. And at the very end, we will have you just highlight some of the few organizations. I also liked what you said about true friendship. Given that the theme for this year, International Epilepsy Day, is friendship and inclusion, you said that true friendship is when they can see or notice when you are sinking. I think that's very deep. When they see you're going down, um, that's what a true friend is. Um, Stephanie, is there anything you'd like to add? I can't hear you. <laughs> um, so while she joins again, okay. uh, yeah, so thank you for being so honest with, uh, with, this, with us, Sylvia. Uh, we'll move to the next segment. I see we are running out of time. Uh, so how can we create awareness in the most practical manner? You said one of the best ways, one of the things you do as Andy speaks is create awareness. So for someone who 
doesn't have as as big as a forum or as an organized forum as you do, what are some of the ways that they can raise awareness in the most practical way? The easiest things, um, I'll tell you one of the things why sometimes I say we have friends in name and friends in deed. Sometimes you will make a post about awareness, right? How many likes do you get? You can go to my wall and see. When I posted about, what do you know epilepsy? What is how fast aid? I think mm-hmm. it's not even 10. I will post about something else. I'll post the, the, the Miss Africa side of me and you'll get 300 posts. I want you to like that post and share that post about awareness. Mm-hmm. I put it there because I need you to know and I need you to share it with someone because it will save someone else's life. My pretty will never go anywhere. It will still be there. You know, it doesn't add value to my life. If I post about even my business, what I do as a graphic designer and a brand consultant, same thing, very few likes and whatever. So are we being honest in supporting each other? If I say I'm throwing a party, how many inboxes will I get, right? If mm-hmm. I say oh, I'm going somewhere else, you will celebrate. Why do we celebrate the, allow me to say, flimsy things about life? And when it comes to the facts and realities, we are not there to stand and support each other. Because raising awareness is talking about it like now. Raising awareness is, as parents who protect our kids, you will see not many people talk about it, about their kids, but in the recent past, at least we are getting vocal because we're encouraging each other. Because our kids will come back to come out into the general world. They're not going to get to step into a special world that will be understanding. They have to come out to the cruel world. And that's why I share that. So that the next time you see me walk out with Andrew and he's drooling, you understand that's because of his autism. The next time you talk to him, he doesn't answer. You understand he's non-verbal. But that doesn't make him dumb. That doesn't make him stupid because he understands and he will respond. Just if you are in the right attitude, you talk nicely. Just basics. And one of the things that hurts me, my other child is has ADHD. So means he's hyper. And then there is the looks people give you before you judge, try and understand. It's not that he's in this thing. It is who he is. It's something beyond his control. Yeah? It's the same mm-hmm. thing. And he will go around and he will say hi to everyone because the other thing they're blessed with is purity of heart. He will say hi to the people who don't even answer, the people who look at them like, why would you say hi to me? Yes, they are the normal ones. We call them special because they are the normal ones. We're the ones who make the environment very uncomfortable. So just let it be normal. Everyone has their normal. That's their normal. Embrace their normal. You look at your hands, I always say, they're not the same height, not the same thickness. Mine is not like yours. And mine, I cannot lift something with one finger. I cannot do it alone. So just like a finger, when I need to pick something up, I need all of them. I need action. I need from the side. So no matter which side of the spectrum you are, it needs to take us coming together for us to create an impact. So be that person who echoes whatever small that I put out there as part of awareness. Echo it out when there is an event planned. Be informed. Like I said, all these disabilities, it's me today. There's nothing I did to get it. Tomorrow, you will wake up and you're in that same situation. You'll give birth, might land up in the same situation. Anything can happen. Like we say, everybody is a candidate for disability. I hope that answers in closing. Everybody is a candidate for disability. Um, Stephanie, before you dropped off, uh, you wanted to say something? 
We can't hear you. We can't hear you. We can't hear you. <laughs> uh, well, while Stephanie fixes that, we have a few comments from our audience. Um, we have Eneki saying she's learning so much. Um, Prince Milk saying they are tuned in from Gatina, Onguaro, and kudos. Thank you very much. Um, Kenyan Times is asking, can the victim bite his or her tongue during convulsions? Uh, the chances are there, because remember we said there are 40 types of convulsions. So, mm -hmm. and the movements are different. Those that are still conscious, those who lose it. I know that was has been always my greatest fear because um, I know I blocked my son's face when I posted when he was going through the convulsions. But most yeah. of the times you will find them the, in the different ones I have seen it. We'll call it, but you know, there you can, and then it goes back and it's a bit thicker at the back. That happens. So, and then it's still moving. So, um, I remember the first time I was confused like, is he gasping for air? Is he about to bite his tongue? ETC. Mm -hmm. But I just let it, let it. But it said that there can be chances of them biting their fingers. Even when you go to the dentist you and they numb you and they tell you don't eat for a certain time, it's because you lose control over the tongue. And you might not feel like you're biting it, but you actually bite it. That's why they tell you not to eat. So that's the closest explanation I can give. Because remember, during the convulsions, most of them lose consciousness. So the control over their body and what's moving, how, they don't quite have it. But then the jaw does not move. That's the other thing I noticed. It's the tongue. So biting, I don't know how that can happen. I've been trying to see if I don't move my jaw. <laughs> Because remember, they become part of their part of their body. Sometimes become stiff. So for me, what I've noticed that moves is the tongue. Yeah, but mm -hmm. I'm just speaking from my experience with my two kids. So the two that I've seen, that is what happened. I don't notice a lot of. Uh, it's the twitching of the skin, but the mm -hmm. actual jaw, I've never seen it move. But the tongue and like the twitching of the eye and the hands, you know, either they they will actually if. If he falls like this, he will be like that for the rest of the time. So when I see it relaxing, then I know he's getting out of it, you know. And then you're not supposed to, like, now that's the time you're trying to force it. Just, just like you say, leave it. There's nothing you can do. Keep distance, observe, keep them safe, make sure they can breathe, and that is it. Wow. Uh, I think I see where Kenyan Times is coming from because mostly, I think almost everyone knows that if someone is having a seizure, you put a tongue in their mouth. So I imagine that is done to prevent them from biting their tongue. I, I yeah, think I see the yeah. so Now you can imagine my tongue is moving, uh, 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 and then you put this. And remember, they are very strong at that time. If you try yeah. that, I, I don't know how to like. They are extremely strong when they're in that space. So you put this. They don't have control of how much you put. You don't know how deep you're taking it. Yeah. You don't understand. If yeah. they're having jacks, jacks is when like, and then you put this. If the jack goes in the opposite direction, are you helping them really? Or are you actually creating room for more harm? Mm. You know? So that's why we say don't put anything in the mouth because it can sleep and just gentle, become more intense. The, you know, there are those who even nod during during that conversation. So just don't. Okay. Uh, just to remind the audience about the brain, uh, what you should do when someone is having a seizure. So the 
acronym is it an acronym or yes. it's yes yes a short form as, acronym yeah. <laughs> uh, as brain uh, so the first one the b stands for be, be calm then remove any dangerous objects always time the seizure if it's more than five minutes you're getting into the danger zone and uh, turn the head to the side and never put anything in their mouth or try to restrict them so just to repeat never put anything in their mouth as we normally we've been taught to do and never try to restrict them right um another comment we have before i get back to you stephanie we have mamboleo edwin he's saying he's tuned from tuned in from lenana and he has a question what are the procedures that should be done to rule out that someone has epilepsy because someone can fall um because someone can fall and it may be due to low blood pressure or low sugar because they might present the same symptoms. So basically, what are some of the ways you can differentiate a fall from low blood pressure or sh low sugar from a fall from epilepsy? Okay, um, a fall from epilepsy, of course, you have the body movements, you have loss of consciousness most of the time. And then it depends, we, epilepsy, remember, like we say, it's over time. So it's not that first time that they fell. Those are two okay. different things, yeah? I could faint because I haven't drank water, I'm drained, I fall, I faint. Then I wake up again consciousness. Remember, that's totally different. Uh, for you to just have a visual of what we are talking about, convulsions, to determine, to differentiate it, you can go to my wall, Sylvia Mora Muchabo, and you will see uh, what, it, what it looks like because the entire body is moving. Normally, when you have all these other falls, it will just be like fall and that's, and you're gone and passed out passing out but then when we're talking about epilepsy it's convulsions convulsions is movement and the difference between those ones and even the silent convulsions silent convulsion not respond when you call their name they will not respond they will just be fixated you know and dazed yeah and, and and so that is very different from when someone actually passes out from all these other things all right, that is very insightful. I hope, uh, Mambaleo, the question has been answered correctly. Thank you for commenting and joining us in this conversation as as also um, as we continue to just demystify the myths around epilepsy and create awareness. Now, as we conclude this forum, uh, one last thing. Uh, oh, wait, Stephanie, you had something you wanted to say? Uh, no, actually, I was just telling um, Sylvia that she's doing an amazing job because we are learning so much from her. Yeah, and yeah, she's just just she's just doing a good job. Thank you, much appreciated. Thank you. All right. So, as we conclude, uh, in the spirit of creating awareness on epilepsy and matters advocacy, uh, would you mention two or just around two people or organizations you would like to recognize in the same regard and tell us why? Either organizations or people who are doing the good work around creating awareness and advocacy. We'll start with uh, Stephanie. Uh, Stephanie you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've seen the Kawe, I think it's Kawe, the Kenya um, Association for the Welfare of People Living with Epilepsy. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen it's a non-profit organization that focuses on creating awareness and education on epilepsy. Okay. Yeah, I've also come across a National Epile Epilepsy Coordination and it, pro it, facilitates, it facilitates provision of 
provision of um, epilepsy care um, in Kenya. So those are the two that I've come across a couple of times. Um, yeah, maybe now Sylvia will be able to give us even more. <laughs> okay. Um, for epilepsy specifically, uh, in all honesty, I have been more keen on autism CPs, the, the neurodiverse community. But I know Fred Kisseram Foundation empowers those who have epilepsy in terms of they train the adults and actually give them, they train them in like tailoring. I, that's the one thing I've seen them doing. They train them on tailoring. They support them like during COVID, which they did with food. But then now they trained, then they're equipped so that they can be able to get employment. Remember, one of the things that we say, the challenges that they find is finding employment. So that makes it easier for them to be self-employed. And in turn, remember, these are people who are still parents and, you know, husbands and wives. They have people to take care of. So in my radar, that is the one that I have seen doing um, a lot. And um, the other thing I would like to applaud our social media community in our small groups, right? Because there is where I see, oh, I'm having a seizure. Then all of us as parents become like, how is it like, where are you? We visit each other in hospital. We, I have excess of this medication. When your medicine change, you put it out there that I'm giving this medication, then someone else, you know, that supporting each other, that community of, of, of caregivers where we are there for our children and for each other. And I think that's very important. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, so thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> and he speaks. Yes, I was wondering why you didn't. Like, yes, and ask guys what we are trying, the little we are trying to do, especially now during this month of awareness. Mm -hmm. But it's something that we still keep talking uh, about, and uh, we hope to have bigger impact even in the small ways that we're trying to support with the anti-conversant medication yeah. yes yes so thank you for the good work you're doing and the organizations that have been tagged uh, i haven't heard of any people uh, uh fred kisarem foundation is after fred kisarem himself he is also epileptic so and so using his experience of being fired from you know from work because of getting a conversion while at work to support others Okay. All right, all right. Thank you for that. So uh, one of the ways that Sylvia has said, one of the ways we can create awareness ourselves at home is just to like and to share. If she posts something or there's a post online about epilepsy, just share it with your friends and like it. It's the easiest way you're at the comfort of your home and you just continue to share. But you have created awareness by sharing it to one of your friends who will hopefully share it to another friend. Just create a snowball effect, all right? Uh, so we have come to the end of this uh, conversation. This has been a very heavy and deep conversation, but also very info, very educational, informative. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's uh, I'd like to thank Eneki and uh, Prince Mark and Kenyan Times and Ambaleo Edwin for joining us, and everyone else who is watching. Um, this will be this recording will be posted on our Facebook page, so we didn't have a chance to see it. We'll uh, be able to access it later. As we, as Jerome Hospital Group, we are very passionate about mental health awareness using our tagline hashtag to encourage people to open up. So, 
this is part of what we are doing and we are grateful for you guys for coming here and hopefully we will see more of you and also champion for what we have learned all right thank you and have a good uh, afternoon evening have a good evening Great. All right. Thanks for having us and for the platform to share and raise awareness. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.